Hello everyone and thank you for coming back to yet another episode of The Gloving Paradigm. I am your host Peter aka LPD8 Dubuque and this week is going to be the introduction to basic music understanding. So what am I going to try to teach you all of this week? Well I feel like for any Glover who's really trying to up their entire game and their entire performance overall is they have a very basic understanding of how music is written and how it's dictated to really help incorporate the whole finality of music into your performance. A lot of people understand this as musicality. That entire thing is going to be a different subject for another episode. Basically this one I'm just going to explain to you how music is written and how it is structured so you have just a basic understanding of how it is. And I'm going to try to explain to you what this knowledge is going to help you do when you implement it into your craft. So first things first, we're going to talk about tempo. Now tempo is basically the speed of the music. It, you know, it's dictated everything of how fast you're going to be playing and you know, you got really fast ones, you got some really slow ones and you got all the spectrums in between. Now what I actually have with me here is a metronome, which a metronome is something that helps you keep with tempo and helps you keep count. Um, it's a very old traditional musical tool that has been used for thousands upon thousands of years. You know, people from Beethoven to Chopin to even today's music, people use it today. Now the reason why I brought this into here is to actually help facilitate the basic music structure and everything, right? You have the tempo, which is your speed, and then you have something called a time signature. Now where you're going to see the time signature is at the very top of your music sheet, and it's going to be dictated by two numbers stacked on top of each other. In this example, I'm going to use the classic 4-4 time. Some people call it full time. But basically, this is what dictates how your music is going to be structured. So the top number is going to be representing how many beats are in a single measure. So in the case of 4-4 time, there's going to be four beats in one measure. And now the reason why there are measures is pretty much to help people kind of break down and digest the music as a whole. So you have that. <laughs> Then you have the bottom number, which is the number that indicates what is the downbeat. Now, kind of confusing, but <laughs> try to bear with me here, but if you look at the bottom number and you turn it into a fraction with a one above it, that's the note that's going to dictate your downbeat. So for a four or four time, you're gonna have a one fourth note or a quarter note being your downbeat. All right, so you got four beats in the measure and you got a quarter note, that's your, that's your downbeat, right? So here I'm gonna use the metronome to actually facilitate the example and I'm actually gonna start counting once it starts going. So here we go. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, right? So <laughs> that's pretty much how you're gonna be counting out the music as it's playing. Now, if you wanna see a faster temperature, you know, you just put it at a setting that has a higher number. That's a faster tempo. And then you also have something that's really, really slow. You know, so on and so forth. So that's pretty much how music is dictated. If you use a metronome, it's actually gonna be a really good tool to actually help you pace yourself and actually help you inadvertently muscle memory your brain into understanding how to count without you actually consciously having to count it yourself. Now, so you have your time signature and then you have your notes. So, you know, granted this is not a huge thing, but it's just something I feel like if you just have a basic understanding of how notes are dictated in music, then it kind of helps you know how to like recognize a note and be able to accentuate that note if that's something you want to accentuate in your performance. So you have whole notes, 
And then you have half notes, quarter notes, eighth notes, sixteenth notes, thirty-second notes, and then you can even go into the third, you know, the theoretical part of music theory where there's sixty-four notes, one hundred twenty-eighth notes, so on. You know, you just keep cutting that in half, and it just keep going down. All right. <laughs> so that's how music is dictated. That's pretty much how you're gonna learn to implement into your into your performance is by essentially just keeping count. Now, of course. If you're like me, who has a metronome at the disposal, I actually use this a lot when I practice when I'm not using music, is to simply put a tempo when I'm practicing a certain sequence or a certain concept, where it allows me to pace myself at a really slow tempo and really, you know, just get the moves nice and smooth and nice and clean. And then I'll slowly increase the tempo to actually just drill it into my brain so I actually just get it down and can actually adjust the speed however the music's gonna dictate it, right? So, you know, you got your downbeats and then there are upbeats that you also wanna consider once you actually get used to it. And usually when, how you indicate an upbeat is if you're doing the count, <laughs> you wanna say and in between each count that you're doing. And that's the upbeat. And that's usually symbolized in especially EDM music is by hi-hat in between each bass drum. Cause they usually use the bass drum to keep the count. <laughs> so, you know, if you're listening to EDM music, it's pretty pretty simple to stay on beat with the, the music if you're just focusing on the bass drum that gives you your tempo, that gives you the count and everything, okay? So how are you gonna implement this? Well, you know, you start with either you get a metronome, I'm sure there's millions of applications that you can find at Google Play or the Apple Store that are for free that offer a basic metronome that you can use on your phone. <laughs> So if you're using a metronome, a lot of EDM music is usually set at 120 beats per minute. Now, please don't ask me if I know any of the words to dictate your tempo because it's been so long since I've actually been in a music class that I can't really remember to save the life of me. I can just say beats per minute are pretty much what you're gonna use to dictate your tempo. Now, a lot of EDM music is set at 120. You can even go down to 115 where I feel a little bit more comfortable. And if you really want to push yourself, you can even go up to 140 or even 160 beats per minute. I often find those a little bit too fast for me and not, you know, not comfortable going that fast, but there's some music out there that are just that fast. Okay, so you use that and basically it's just keeping count. Now, classic music classes are going to tell you, you know, oh, you just use your foot to keep count. You know, you can do that. You know, some people actually use their head, you know, they use their shoulders. I've seen some weird weird things that people use to keep count. Typically, when it comes to me keeping count, I usually use my heel. And I know it's kind of weird to, to think about when you're uh, on your knees or you're even standing up because you're kind of putting yourself in a position where you're going to throw yourself off balance. But it's just something I've done for so long that I just innately are able to do it. Uh, now, where are good ways to actually help you keep count besides just a metronome is, you know, you're just listening to music and not trying to focus on counting and just letting yourself kind of sync up to the natural beat of the music and that typically will get you the entire tempo of the song and i know that <laughs> i know it's kind of like well that doesn't really explain a lot well it's just a good mantra that i've always had when it comes to practicing and especially when it comes to listening to music is blunt force trauma and repetition gets it right every time it is a mantra that a drill sergeant has taught me when i was in basic training a very long time ago and it's one of those things that kind of just stuck with me. And it's one of those things that I really actually implemented in my gloving to actually get to where I am now. So, you know, you got your tempo, you're knowing, you're learning that you're keeping count, which is great. That's extremely good. Once you actually get to a point where you're just not really necessarily focusing on keeping count, you're going to 
notice that your moves are showing you how you're keeping count. Uh, that's how it is for me at least, is that my movements are actually showing me on my own that it's keeping count with the music. Now I know a lot of people are gonna say that's not you know everything that is about gloving, and I definitely agree, but this is just somewhere I feel like just getting a basic understanding of music, you will understand how how music can really dictate your performance. You know, and of course, tempo is the biggest thing. It's the speed of the music. It is the velocity that you're going to be traveling with when it comes to this music. Now, if you're somebody like me who don't really like things super duper fast, it is what it is. You know, everyone has their own preference of taste, but when I'm at a performance, like at a, a venue, or, you know, when I was at concerts and raves and going to festivals, you know, I didn't really have a choice of what tempo was going to be set. It was set for me by whoever was headlining, you know, and there's been cases where I've had, you know, happy hardcore, which, you know, I do have a little soft spot for happy hardcore, but it's just really, really fast for my taste. So where do you find yourself when you're in a situation like me who don't really like super fast paced music, but have no choice but to perform to that? Well, there are things that I've come to call half stepping and double timing. So you have music that's too fast for you, then you want to half step it. So in that case, instead of, you know, making your movements match to each downbeat, you're gonna take all the downbeats and kind of break it in half again. So it's kind of like you're making each downbeat now, you know, two downbeats equal one, and your movements are going to kind of reflect that. So the best way I can actually describe that with like finger tutting, and let's say you're just doing the classic, you know, L-shaped finger tutting, and you have your thumb to an index finger, and instead of just making the one solid motion going to your thumb and making that second point, you're actually going to stop right there where your thumb and finger actually meet on that hand and count that as a beat and then move up to your thumb point as the next beat. And I know it's kind of, again, it's not really helpful when it has a visual representation, but if you kind of just follow me here, you know, you do the whole field gold look and then you just move one thumb all the way up to the finger point of the other hand, there's one beat. But to half step it, you want to stop where your thumb connects to your hand and count that as a beat and then move back over to count that as a beat and, you know and then you also have a vice versa where if it's too slow for you you want to count the upbeats as downbeats now to kind of actually help you move faster if you feel like that is. now you got to be careful when you do some double timing because low music is supposed to be slow and you know you got to really accentuate the real downbeat if you're double timing it and that's one of the things i've i've taught people about and never really thought about the consequences of what this can do when you double time into a slow song is you're moving too fast for something that's just not supposed to be fast and what I've come to learn over the years is when you're double timing yeah you're moving much faster but you want to accentuate the actual actual tempos downbeats to really make sense with the song and I know I can't really visual you know visually represent this for you but if you know the best way with the halftime kind of just speed that up basically it's like you move really fast and then once you hear the downbeat click wherever part of the song you're in, you know, people accentuate that downbeat into a slow part and then they move their hands really fast again. That is pretty much a good way to double time while still accentuating the actual downbeat of the song. So I'm hoping that makes a lot of sense to you guys. I know it's kind of subjective and a little obscure what, how I'm trying to portray this to you, but it's, it's the best way I can do it with the means I have. <laughs> so okay, with the the important practices I always have to explain to people is that when it comes to music you're always going to have a certain indicator in all songs and all music no matter what the genre is 
that's going to indicate a change in the music whether it be like a verse into a bridge or into you know a chorus or whatever the case may be or you know a build up you know a verse into a build up into a drop whatever the case may be there's an always an indicator to indicate when it's going to be changing you know it can be something extremely subtle it can be something extremely bombastic and very profound but it's one of those things where i have to explain to people that it's not <laughs> It's not really easily accessible when it comes to this. So a good practice I would try to explain to you is when trying to pick up these change cues, as I like to call them, um, is you're just, you gotta put yourself in a, uh, into a meditative style state. Now I'm not saying that you have to meditate. Um, a very simple and a very underused practice that I don't think a lot of people know about is that there is this lovely little phenomenon where if you're doing a mindless task, let's say washing the dishes or you know, sweeping the floors, any like mindless chore that you can think of that's gonna take you a good while. A good practice that I always do is I will put on headphones and listen to music and you know, you're doing something that you can do without even thinking, which allows your automotive brain to pretty much just go on autopilot and ignore the creative part of your brain. And this is where you kinda wanna sit in your brain, if that makes sense to you. You kinda wanna have yourself focus on that part of the brain as you're doing this mindless task to really think of these creative ways. And what I like to do is just take that creative side in my brain and focus on just listening to the music as hard as I can. Like just not focus on anything else but the music. And what tends to happen for me is I go into this, you know, this type of hypnosis where, you know, I don't know what's really going on around me, but all I can remember is just hearing the music. And what tends to happen for me at least is I kind of get this little, synesthesia where you know I start seeing colors and things like that but I also start mapping out music in my head naturally and I start picking up on certain cue changes that are really really subtle that I don't think a lot of people actually hear but you definitely will hear it once you actually start really practicing on this and then you know at times when after I get done with the task I'll probably just inadvertently with like a habit or compulsion start just practicing right there and then and that's pretty much how I've always practiced with music is just doing a mindless task and just focusing on the music and kind of just like writing out the music in my head now typically when I'm writing it out in my head it's in the whole MIDI format where you have the little blocks and they're all over the place you know uh, I have <laughs> a little bit of experience playing with around with music creators and uh, music software and that's pretty much how my you know my brain just visualizes music now granted you know all these things have different colors with the whole synesthesia. It's just one of those things that I would definitely tell you to do is to just kind of get yourself in this point where you're not really gonna have other distractions and you're just doing a mindless task. That way you can just focus on listening to music and you know, your creative side is gonna actually really try to, you know, work with the tempo and work with the downbeat. And then you're gonna start picking up on things because you don't have any of those other distractions to really help you understand how music is written. The first thing I probably would recommend doing is listening to your own collection right you have a certain set of songs that you really really like and you know them pretty well i would recommend starting with your own music collection and actually listen very carefully to it and then you're going to start picking up on what you know your personal favorite artists do as a way to indicate the change in their music that's what you know i've done that so many times i've listened to songs so many times over and over and over again i can literally do them in my sleep it's pretty compulsive that way I do it but that's just how I kind of cope with things 
and music is pretty much the only way I can actually cope with a lot of things. So, you know, you got your tempo, and then you, you're, pro you're starting to understand, like, cue changes, and that's when, you know, you're going to implement your movements to kind of accentuate that change, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and explain the whole transition things. That's, again, another thing for another episode. Okay. So, you know, with the cue changes, that's when your transitions are really, really important to, to have down because that's really going to help your show flow along with the song okay so unconventional practices I have that I don't really explain to a lot of people because it's just a lot of people don't understand where I'm coming from and I know a lot of more experienced glovers such as myself and you know a lot of people who've been doing this for you know five plus years let's say kind of understand where you know it's such an integrable part that you don't really think about it but it's actually something that actually helps push you forward. So an unconventional concept basically <laughs> is practicing in ways that a lot of people don't normally do, or you know, it's not really a consensus amongst the people of the community of doing. So you know, what is a conventional idea? Well, there's listening to your collection of EDM music. You got Pandora, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and then you also have just going to venues. Uh, you know, the listening to your own collection in one way is you know you understand what you like and what really represents you and then to me when it comes to like pandora and soundcloud and spotify what i use those for is okay i really want to work on being good at improvising listening to something i never heard before and actually really push myself to really you know pick up on cues and you know kind of keep myself on top of everything that's where pandora and spotify and like soundcloud or whatever audio media platform you're using to actually get your music I use those to just kind of have a way to, it's not a person, but have an algorithm that just gives me random songs within a genre or, you know, a collection of affiliated groups and artists, you know, that I never really heard before and it allows me to really work on improvising. You know, of course, you know, going to venues is just, you know, you're putting yourself out there on the whole platform of performing and stuff. And again, you're kind of at the whim of the performer, you know, the performing artist who's up on stage so you have those things and then you have the unconventional things like to me practicing to quote-unquote unconventional music is one of the things i actually do i <laughs> uh there's a glover called starlight that actually said something really recently that i thought was very interesting on a another podcast called the gloving nucleus uh definitely would recommend going checking that out because it was very interesting after seeing it she says Practice to non-EDM music that you are comfortable with. A good example for that, like for me, it would be indie rock music. And uh, now granted, I am an eclectic, so I listen to such a very wide, and I mean an extremely wide variety of different music styles. You know, I go all the way back to like the big band era with Tommy Dorsey and Glenn Miller and Artie Shaw. And I go even into swing music with like Frank Sinatra, Simon Davis Jr., Ella Fitzgerald's like my all-time favorite one out of that group because she's absolutely amazing. You know, you also got like Nat King Cole and Bobby Darin. You know, and then you have like all the stuff from the 60s. You know, you got like the Grateful Dead and Pink Floyd and Janis Joplin and Joan Baez and Jimi Hendrix. You know, it, it's just my music is really, really far out there. But a, a place where I'm very comfortable and kind of gets me into the right headspace is indie rock music. You know, all-time favorite band is the Early November. Absolutely love that band. I swear to God, that band sings my entire autobiography. Like, it's just uncanny what this band does for me. When I find myself listening to that kind of music, I do find myself compulsively practicing gloving in a way that I just, it makes sense to me. And even when 
my closest friends when I was living back in my hometown of Mesa, Arizona, my friends were actually astonished how my movements really actually went really well with those, you know, those types of music. Uh, it just to, to them they said it just made sense. It really you were able to really accentuate and kind of bring out in your own fashion what the song's all about and how you're interpreting it. That's one of the things that <laughs> I definitely agree with her is listening to your music that isn't EDM, that's you know outside of the quote unquote norm that most glovers see. Now I know I understand a lot of people say, well you can glove to anything. And yes, I have seen videos to metal, country, you know, whatever folk music I've seen once and that was actually quite interesting. There, there are genres that you can really help incorporate that's not EDM, but let's just let's just face it here. EDM is where it all started and it's pretty much where we kind of feel comfortable. And I'm not telling you that we should really push out and try to, you know, flood into all these other genres. I'm just saying that it's just a natural effect of what, you know, our origins and our grassroots come from is from the EDM scene. You know, so that's one thing I can tell you that's, you know, considered unconventional. What I also really like doing, and I've been doing quite a bit, it's studying other dance forms that are out there. You know, you got, you know, the entire class of ballroom out there with like the quick step and foxtrot. And, you know, you got things like ballet and then you also have Broadway and jazz and contemporary, you know, and you have the entire street lineup, which is, you know, hip hop, popping, locking and stepping and animating, which, you know, it's kind of where we are sitting in right now is because we're a smorgasbord of mostly those. But just, you know, trying to figure out like how other dance forms really evoke their the message or their emotions through their movements and seeing how we can translate that into the style of gloving is one of the things I've always been working on. And I will certainly tell you through my experience, it's extremely hard, but I do have those moments where somehow I was able to integrate it in and it just made the, it just pushed that show above my previous one, basically. So, you know, I'm not saying that you need to study every single dance form, but, you know, think about another dance form that isn't gloving that you find very enjoyable and just think about how you want to see that into your own, you know, your own personal light show, because that kind of would push you apart from everybody else and being, you know, the, uh, cookie cutter glover as I guess you know the kids say these days I'm not really sure <laughs> so you know you got that and then you know I always I, I know this is kind of hard for a lot of people that you do in terms of visualization but you know with the whole again doing a mindless task and listening to music you know I sit there and I can visualize myself gloving to it because I've watched so many of my own videos so many times considering that my current situation right now living in as what my mom likes to call a pig trail of a town that's not even a town it's considered a city that the demographic out here is nowhere on this earth ever going to support you know a community of gloving as you would probably say in like colorado or in arizona or even california or you know wherever else i'm just I'm just the one and only Glover in a small little town just trying to make a way to express all my experience from doing gloving and just wanting to share all of my experience of gloving to everyone else since. Don't really have any other choice. It's either I sit here and never do anything with it or I actually just, you know, expound my experience and my knowledge of gloving and really just share it with everyone else to, you know, open that door of discussion to really bring things about. But again, I digress. So that's pretty much, <laughs> it's 
pretty much it in terms of that. Now, I will want to just kind of disclaim this. That I know a lot of people probably are thinking what, that, you know, they're, they have this drive to really become extremely good extremely fast. Now, I do commend you that that is the perfect motivation you want, and it's the only motivation I find truly the best way to excel yourself. If you really want to get out there and push yourself to be really, really good, then, again, you're going to have to take the mantra of blunt force trauma and repetition gets it right every time. Uh, it is the amount of work that you're going to have to put into it. And, you know, somebody is me who, granted, I don't, I didn't post a lot. I've had my moments in my years where I was rather active on gloving lounge and the art of gloving you know doing as much constructive criticism and feedback as much as possible and trying to you know explain to people a good practice every any time i actually gave feedback and i felt like you know whatever the situation you know whatever concept that they were working on i instead of you know just tell them oh you need to clean it up and you should do it this way is i gave i always tell the person this is how i always practice you know and i know not everyone can practice the same way but having that floor of discussion saying hey this is how i practice and this has what helped me get better how about you give it a try and i always try to look for something that takes the least amount of investment especially when it comes to monetary investment because i know i'm one of the many people who just don't have a luxury of just being able to and now I'm not saying that everyone does this but I don't have I don't have the luxury of just pissing away hundreds of dollars on things you know and I try to save as much money as I possibly can while also being able to effectively promote a good practice I guess is what I'm trying to say you know that's why I always say hey just buy some blackout gloves it simulates lights without having actual lights in it you don't have to be in a dark room you know, you can record with those gloves on and you can actually kind of, you can see what you're doing. You know, the, the mirror trick is always good. You know, you don't have to have like a practice set to actually practice. But anyways, I'm kind of digressing. That's pretty much all I have to say for the, for this episode. I do, thank you for listening to my episode th so far. Next week is one of those episodes where I'm kind of debating which of what I should talk about. And I feel if I get this subject out of the way, I think it just would be probably easier uh i think what i'm going to be going over is the whole the whole conundrum of the glover's name and the whole idea behind the glover's name besides just it's your name and that's how people are going to recognize you yeah so that's definitely something i would recommend you guys coming tuning in next week for if you have any questions definitely hit me up at my email at muttonchopguy at gmail.com please title your subject line about the podcast so i know what it's about and i know it's not spam or if your email goes into my spam fo folder. I know it's about the podcast, so I can actually read it. I don't want to lose anybody's anybody's feedback whatsoever. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at The Gloving Paradigm and also at Discord under the same name of The Gloving Paradigm. That's where you can actually talk to me there. I will definitely be more than willing to discuss with you guys. I want to try to set up a part of the a section in my discord server where people can actually post videos and then we can also give feedback to and then just have like a general discussion floor and things like that so you guys actually can you know not flood just one single area we'll actually have little parts of the server where you can actually focus on those subjects that is all for this week i am your host peter aka lpd8 dubuque and i'll see you guys all next week <laughs>